once again, everyone, and welcome to a fresh edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Nunes, and I am here with my usual gurus, Lawrence Edmondson and Nathaniel Saunders. I've said it, and I'm sticking with Nathaniel on this one. We've got a very, very exciting podcast for you today. Of course, we're going to look ahead to Mugello, but first... We have a very, very special guest on the podcast today. We are still all absolutely buzzing for Pierre Gasly after his win at the weekend at Monza. So much so that man like Nate Saunders had to pull out some links. He's got friends in high places and got the man himself, the Italian Grand Prix champion, Pierre Gasly, to come on and talk with us just to get an idea of what life's been like following his amazing win that really was just such a feel-good win and made all of us super excited. So without further ado, here is the man himself, Nate Saunders, with Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly, F1 Grand Prix race winner. Um, welcome to the show. How does that sound? Has that, has that sunk in for you yet? Um, yeah, it does sound good. I must say I, I still haven't fully realized. Um, yeah, it's, been, it's been crazy last uh, all the hours, let's say, since I, I crossed the finish line, and um, yeah, I mean, so much emotion, so many things happening. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'm just yeah realizing, wow, that, that that's crazy, especially when I see the the trophy at home, and it's really mine uh, from now on, and um, and it really happens. Uh, but yeah, pretty amazing uh, emotions. And you said on Sunday you were trying to take it all in. I know on the podium you spent a bit of time, kind of just you know. I suppose enjoying that moment. Um, do you think you're able to do that? Were you able to kind of soak up all of that celebration and everything that happened around it? So yeah, it's something I felt, um, especially after Brazil last year. That it, it's such a, an amazing moment and, and something you dream about. So important um, to me as a driver because you know you work day after the other. Um, to to live these kind of moments and uh, Brazil went so fast, you know. After the after the Sunday, I was like, oh, I, sh- I should have enjoyed more. I should have spent more time there and, and just um, really take the time. And, and that's why in Monza, once I was on that podium, I I said, okay, I don't want to leave. You know, I, I'm on the offset. Um, that moment that I, I dreamed about watching Michael Schumacher winning uh, most of the races when I was a kid and dreaming about. Um, about this this moment to happen and uh, yeah i just wanted to take the time i had a lot of thoughts crossing my mind as well and uh, it was a, a a nice moment and um a good friend of mine who works at the team and works closely with you is josh cruz he told me that on sunday he had to take your phone away you had so many calls so many people wishing you well and he said you, you know you, you need to enjoy yourself did you, did you manage to celebrate and enjoy yourself without all of those kind of distractions because i suppose so many people must have been trying to get in touch with you to say well done yeah, it's you know it, it was difficult and um, obviously it's not not easy to deal with this uh, kind of situation. But I will do it thousand times, uh, that's for sure. But uh, no, obviously it was uh, a lot of calls, uh, unexpected ones. Uh, yeah, from family, friends, the the French president who called it was just uh, amazing and 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 very uh, like that. I didn't expect that and. Um, yeah, obviously the team also asked me a lot because suddenly so many people want you. Um, and, and yeah, we tried to, to, to please uh, most of the people at the racetrack. And uh, so I came back to be late uh, around midnight in my home. And some of my friends from France uh, made me surprised to be to be right in front of my door. So they took the first flight after the race. And 
I came to celebrate with me. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about the uh, the chat with President Macron. That sounds, I mean, you know, that that's not a call you get every Sunday night. Had you spoken to him before? And you know, what, how did it, how did it go? Never, never it was. Um, yeah, that's why I was so surprised, and uh, it it sort of made me realize something big happened. You know, it's, as you said, it's not every day you get a call from your your president, and uh, that was super nice. Um, just to to tell me, it was really uh, really happy. And, and really proud of me and what I what what I achieved that uh, for our country we had to wait a long 24 uh, years before uh, it happened again with me in Monza and um, yeah, I was super super pleased so uh, it was important that I, I enjoyed this uh, special moment but yeah obviously very uh, special words and uh, yeah, it was a, a special very special call. And I was going to ask how did he get your number but then I thought well he is the president so I suppose <laughs> Of all the people to get your number, I suppose that's, that that makes a lot of sense, and a massive buzz back in France about it. Like you said, the first win for a French driver since '96. To be the centerpiece of that, like you say, I, I suppose must be crazy. You know, you, you know, suddenly your whole country is kind of speaking your name, is talking about you and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's very unbelievable, and uh, it's it, it's just insane here yeah, when I speak with with my friends um, back in France and, and, and my family and. Everyone sending me messages. It's uh, yeah, people are, are talking about it uh, all over on the radio, TVs, and magazines. And, um, it, it's just so big. I, I know since I'm a kid, you know, already when I was 10 years old, people were talking about this. Okay, we haven't had a French uh, winner in Formula One since 10 years, and then after 15 years, and people uh, were putting quite a lot of pressure because they wanted someone to to win and always something I felt and I felt okay I if I make it to F1 then will be one of my tasks that I need to to, to change that and obviously I didn't expect it to happen that early um, uh, especially with everything that happened over the last 18 months and um, and the fact that yeah, for midfield team like Toro also um, this thing happened only once before in 15 years with Sebastian Vettel in 2008 and uh, yeah I'm just so happy we managed to to take our opportunity uh, the first time it came to us and uh, yeah, I'll never I'll never forget this moment and um, I know you're you're a very popular guy this is a good chance to name drop now did you have any other famous names in your inbox people who reached out to you after the race I know that you know quite a lot of guys across different sports yeah I was I was impressed and uh, and yeah very happy to see how much support messages I received from all other athletes um, in the world in very different sport and uh, yeah obviously I, I follow soccer a bit more um, I know a couple of the the, the guys as well uh, Neymar uh, Griezmann Mbappé um, Fabio Giroud uh, I mean, uh, so, so many players actually follow follow F1 and um, Congratulate me, and also in different sport, in tennis, in uh, some cyclists, rugby mans, uh, I from everywhere, and, and I, I was shocked, and I still haven't had the chance to go through all the messages, and um, I, it's just uh, yeah, it means a lot because this makes me realize sometimes you know you are focusing nothing, and you're not realizing that so many people are, are following. Um, back in, in, in their homes and back in their life and actually like really happy for the success of all the guys so uh, it was a uh, it's been it's been very good for 40 hours 
that's a lot more impressive than my call history, I've got to say. <laughs> um, speaking of praise as well, I mean, one of the things that really stood out on Sunday was, was what Lewis said about you, you know, very complimentary about you, both as a person and as a driver. Um, for you to hear that from someone who's achieved so much in racing, what does it mean to you as a driver? Because obviously your next goal is to emulate what he's done and become a world champion. Yeah, for me, you know, Lewis is, uh, is to me, um, a very special guy. So someone I really looked at when I was a, a kid and in my, in my eyes, he's probably the, the best driver we, we have ever had. Um, one or he's part of the two or three top guys, if not the best one. So, yeah, when I heard the, the, the words um, he said, obviously, it's very touching and uh, yeah, unbelievable because to me it kind of feels strange these guys I, I look at since I'm six years old and uh, well a, a bit more because he came in F1 a bit later so since I'm 10 years old and um, I, I always um, kind of I was always a great example to follow and um, and now these guys I'm actually racing with him and uh, talking this way about me so I got to know him a bit more in the last two uh, two years we actually texted um, the, the day before on, on Saturday, before the race, um, and all over the weekend because I wanted to, to ask him some advices on, on other things. And he's been always really nice to me, really open, um, always trying to, to help. And uh, yeah, obviously, when you get such a strong, strong work uh, from the six time world champ that will become seven time world champion in a couple of months, is, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. And that's and it's pretty amazing that you can get kind of advice from someone like that. And I suppose that any advice from an ex-driver is, is pretty important. But when it's from a guy like that, you must be like, right, you know, I've got to I've got to take this on board. I've got to kind of learn from what Lewis is saying here. Yeah, exactly. You know, these guys, um, it, I was thinking about Lewis, about Seb. Uh, they are the most successful guy in, in our sport at the moment. And uh, they, there is a reason why they are the best. And uh, no, for me, I always think there's tons of things to, to learn from these guys, from their experience. Um, and, and I really like to, to question and try to understand how did they manage to get all the success over the years and, and really to, uh, to keep that momentum. And what's impressive is Lewis has been on top since year one in F1. And it, it's just uh, gone, yeah, from strength to strength every year. And, um, and he's at the, the top level since his first uh, season in F1. And for me, that's unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, obviously, everything I can learn from, uh, from him, uh, I try to take everything with me. Yeah, it's a pretty good mentor. And I know that part of you guys getting to know each other has, has also involved Call of Duty away. He's, yeah. he's said that a few times. Um, who's the better player out of the two of you? Is there one of you who consistently is the better guy? Or do you kind of, is it hard to say? Well, no, it's hard to say. I say it's it's pretty funny to play together and just to, to team up together. It's very different than usual. You know, we gotta help each other um, if if we want to get the win. And uh, yeah, obviously during uh, Corona time, um, during the lockdown, uh, we, we did spend some more time on the on the PlayStation. And uh, yeah, we started playing. Uh, I was actually nice because we started to yeah, you know, just discuss. For, for yeah, a bit a uh, couple session uh, there and there, and um, yeah, we got to know each other a bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, I must say, we got closer from from that time, and, and now I feel like uh, 
is when I need a couple of advice, I'm free to, to reach him and he's always really open and, and, and willing to, to help me back. So, um, yeah, it's a very, very nice guy. Yeah, and I, I've just got a funny image of people playing that game and not realizing that they're in a, in a lobby with two Formula One drivers who are kind of talking to each other as they're playing. It's quite funny. Yeah, probably they hear my accent once they kill me and realize, oh, this guy's dead. Yeah, maybe. Um, just finally, Pierre, because we really appreciate appreciate you taking time. And I know you. I know you've not got a, a lot of time for uh, today. Um, I'm sure you're going to get this question a lot, and I didn't want to dwell on it too much because I'm sure that it's going to be thrown at you a lot, you know, over the next couple of days. So maybe we can see this as a kind of a rehearsal. But um, some, so much has happened to you in terms of, you know, Red Bull going back down to Toro Rosso. Did Sunday feel, I guess, like final vindication that you know any doubts that there were there about yourself? you know, that they're not justified because that there's not much more you can do for that team, you know, to claim it's second win ever. You know, you're going to be in the history books forever and it's very difficult now for anyone to turn around and say that you don't deserve that second shot like Lewis, like Lewis said um, that you deserve. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, obviously I've been asked the question a lot and uh, I, I've said since yeah, last year, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to answer in the media about what I thought about the situation. Obviously, there, there were many reasons um, why we were not competitive, but I know, but I didn't want to come in the in the media for that. And I've always said my answer will be on track uh, based on my results. And, and that's the only place where I try to focus on, uh, on myself, on my own performance, try to get the max out of the team and myself together. Um, and yeah, First, it was Brazil, which was amazing and even better than, than we all thought um, at the time. But yeah, I, I just kept going. I just kept working, um, tried to, to improve in every area like I could. And uh, this year was already very strong. I think we, we had some very strong races, um, qualifying as well. And then, yeah, now to, to get my first race win um, doesn't come by surprise. Obviously, we... we some circumstances during the race but then after we were leading for 30 laps and we had to keep the lead and um, we managed to do it so no I think it's a I'm, I'm happy about that kind of answer it's uh, not a not a end point I, I still need to, to deliver even more in the future and and I'll try to do even better on my side this weekend and, and, and also the for the rest of the season but um, no clearly that's that's what I wanted to do I wanted to my potential on track, my speed, and that. I think that's a, a pretty good way to, to do it without Atari getting the, the second win in, uh, in history. And is anything any clearer for you about next year, or are you just kind of, I suppose it's not in your hands, and that's quite a nice situation to be in sometimes? Well, I, I wish it could be in my hands, but um, as you said, it's not, and um, it's not up to me to decide. And uh, yeah, obviously, we, we know I've won. Um, there are a lot of things that you, you need to together to um, yeah to make things work and uh, yeah at the moment I, I don't really want to think about it because it's out of my control the only thing I can do is just perform uh, and hopefully uh, strong performances will be awarded in some way but um, at the moment I don't know and um, we'll let you go I can see the trophy there in the background which is a nice backdrop for, for this interview thanks guys well, there it was. The man himself, Nate Saunders, I'm saying it over again, with the Italian Grand Prix champion, Pierre Gasly. Yeah, massive praise indeed. No, it's definitely the man himself, Pierre Gasly, uh, <laughs> with 
some guy called Nate Saunders. But um, really, oh really come nice on, chat. mate, I'm your hype woman. I know, no, I appreciate it. But um, <laughs> what a what a nice guy Pierre Gasly is, you know, just um, just yeah, completely like naturally very very nice, not very forced. And um, it was quite nice. We were chatting, and the, the the victory trophy was over his shoulder in the background. You know, just kind of a constant reminder of what it. Uh, what he's achieved and I imagine he's not had that far from his side the whole time he said he kept looking at it and like thinking oh my god I actually did that so yeah really 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 nice to catch up with him yeah definitely I mean as I had told you too that I was just smiling throughout that interview because it is just such a feel-good story and it was so nice to I guess hear him speak so candidly uh, about everything and then the fact that we know that I said you have friends in high places, but he obviously does too. I mean, Mbappe, Neymar. I mean, from the cricket world, I was messaging you about Stuart Broad. I saw making a post about him um, and let alone, of course, the French president. But, you know, for all of us in sports, we're like, what? You got to speak to Neymar, Mbappe and the like probably before Mbappe tested positive for coronavirus. But that's a story for another day. But I, I just absolutely loved hearing how you could tell that this win really just meant something not for, just for fans of Formula One and wanting to see the sport more competitive, but it is knowing all Gasly's been through. It was nice to see how it resonated with so many people. Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely huge in France as well. France has gone absolutely ballistic for this first winner in 24 <laughs> years. There's some incredible commentary uh, going around of the, the the final couple corners, and the French are just going absolutely insane. You know, it's been so long that they've been waiting. He was on the back of all the newspapers and obviously, as he said, like he could hear all of his friends are saying, hey, everyone's just talking about you back home, which must be a really <laughs> weird thing, even if you're a professional race driver. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool to see. And um, it's it's so strange, isn't it, for a country like France to have had so long without a race winner? Because I was quite you know, surprised at that stat, to be fair. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. There's not been a French winner for that long because it's a, a country that you do associate with, obviously, a really proud racing heritage. I think Italy's last was Fisichella. In 2006, that's another country that's always strange. They've been waiting so long. Um, any other any other weird droughts, Laz, that I'm missing, country-wise? Uh, I'm not sure, really. But I was going to say um, the French uh, revival in motorsport as well, with so many of the young drivers coming through being French. Esteban Ocon, of course. Um, and then Charles Leclerc, who, of course, is Monegasque, but uh, he's part of that kind of group of French drivers that are coming through. And then, of course, there was Antoine Hubert as well, who lost his life at Spa. But um, he was part of that group. So um, I think there was a real push, um, which I think was backed by the FIA, to get a bunch of young French drivers uh, moving forward. And now it's paid off with Pierre Gasly on top of the podium at Monza. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll see him kind of progress in his career as well. And it will be the first of many. But um, we don't really want to be waiting another 24 years for the next uh, French Grand Prix winner. Yeah, be impressive I mean... if we did and that was still Gasly, you know, if he was still, <laughs> he was still racing somehow. But, you know... In 24 years, you never know. Look at Kimi still going strong. There were moments at the weekend that we thought Kimi might <laughs> make a run for it. I was quite gassed up for it. Gasly was three months old when uh, Olivier Panis won in Monaco. So that shows you, you know, literally an entire lifetime. It was interesting in, in that interview as well. He was saying how so many people talked about it. I guess when he was in go-karts and stuff like that, you know, everyone was saying, right, you've got to be the guy who ends this drought and takes it forward. Because, um, yeah, you look at France's racing history. I mean, it goes back to the dawn of motor racing itself. The very first race was in France. And then you have guys like Alain Prost, who, you know, is still considered to be one of the greatest drivers uh, that ever lived. So, yeah, good to see the French back up there. And our French journalist friends in the media centre apparently were getting incredibly excited, uh, as, as they rightfully should have, um, as he crossed the line. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes do forget how young um, Pierre Gasly is because he was just so chilled and like put together and whatnot too. And, and I said it to Nate, it was funny hearing him talk at least about like Lewis Hamilton and saying, you know, I did like look up to him growing up. And I was like, what do you mean growing up? Like he's not that old. And then I realized, wow, Alexis, you're probably just old now too. But um, Nate, I know you're working on, on, on a piece too about his comments on Lewis. I thought it was quite refreshing to to kind of hear another driver speak about Lewis in, in, in that side. And, you know, you could tell it was really natural. It wasn't anything he was putting on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was completely natural. And um, it's, it's actually, I mean, he said he said something that I'm, I'm surprised more drivers don't say. You know, he said, Lewis has been so successful for so long. You know, of course I want to learn that. Of course I want to know how he's maintained that success for so long. So, yeah, it, it was really nice. And clearly, you know, he, I mean, even in that interview, he said, they spoke a few times just over the Monza weekend. So it shows you that there's there's a constant back and forth there. And um, it really struck me because Lewis doesn't really go out of his way all that often to talk about other drivers. He was he praised Leclerc last year, but he doesn't, you know, he you don't always get him talking about other drivers. And if he does, it might be a passing comment. Whereas in every interview, he was like, you know, going out of his way to make a big point about what he thought about Pierre Gasly. So yeah, it was it was nice to see. And clearly, clearly it's having a good a good impact on him. Very much indeed. I actually remember that that praise that Lewis had about Charles Leclerc last year because that was the first ever Formula One hit I did with Nate for ESPN. So there we go. That might just be our little anniversary, little happy anniversary, Nate. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, classic man. I forgot about it. So. <laughs> oh, standard. It's okay. I'm so used to it that you see, I didn't even know. I'm not even going to act out about it. But anyways, we definitely can sit here and continue talking about Pierre Gasly at length. But we hope as something that he did say is that, you know, even though he has achieved this this weekend, he still feels like he does have to continue to perform good, even probably before he may feel like he can give it a full second chance at Red Bull if and when the call-up does come again because I'm sure many people have been campaigning that it should come now um, but we definitely hope that we do see more successful races for Pierre Gasly because he's just oh, such a feel-good story it was good to have a weekend like that so it begs us to think what's going to happen this weekend at Mugello if we're going to still see the same fireworks I'm sure some will not be hoping to see the same exact fireworks Others will. We'll get to that preview in just a little bit. But first, as usual, we like to talk about some news stories. And there's a very, very interesting one going around. Lawrence, I have to come to you as usual to explain these things because it seems that Formula One are looking to revive plans to introduce reverse grid sprint races, I suppose, in place of qualifying. And as exciting as this look, I do th that this does look, I still feel like this is very... It could be a very sticky situation that we may have on our hands if this does indeed go through. But what are the details there? Well, you're right to say that it is pretty controversial. It's a controversial idea to start with. That's why they didn't go ahead with it this year. That was the original plan, to introduce these qualifying races, essentially, um, to decide the grids, especially at tracks where we were going back to. So we had two races in Austria, two races in Silverstone. And so F1 wanted to mix it up and they thought a brilliant idea to mix it up would be to take the championship order ahead of that race, reverse it, have that set the grid on a shorter sprint race in qualifying, maybe kind of 25, 30 laps. And then the result of that race would set the grid for the proper Grand Prix. No points given for the uh, reverse grid qualifying race. All it would do would be to set the grid. So basically it's just another form of qualifying instead of racing against the clock, as we see in qualifying, in time sessions, they would be racing against each other. Um, now, in order to get it through for this year, 
F1 needed the support of all the teams. And Mercedes, perhaps unsurprisingly, <laughs> came out quite early on and said, we're not, we're not down with this. This isn't going to work. And their concerns were based on a number of things. One fundamental point they made was that they felt the sport wasn't broken anyway, so it didn't need this kind of artificial uh, manipulation to make it exciting. Whether that's proved right or wrong depends on how much you've enjoyed the season so far and seeing Mercedes dominate. But um, that was uh, their core argument. But also they felt that you would end up with a lot of kind of gamesmanship, especially early on if they were going to do it in the second race. Would people retire early from the first race so that they would drop further down the order and stuff like that? So uh, it it, it got sidelined for this year. But... F1 said, well, we're still going to analyse this. We're still going to look at it. We still think it's fundamentally a good idea and a good way to mix things up. And I think, uh, in a way, they're right, because we have had this same format for races for a long, long time. And you look across motorsport, and there's lots of different ways of either setting grids or even having races. All you have to do is look at Formula 2, for example, which races with Formula 1 at most of the European venues. And they have a normal qualifying session, a feature race, which is their long race, And then the top eight from that feature race get reversed for the grid for a sprint race the next day, which has no pit stops and is a different style of racing. So there are so many things you can do in motorsport. You look across motorsport, all these brilliant ideas, different ways of going about it. And yet in Formula One, we're stuck with the same uh, way of doing it. And so clearly F1 is keen to mix it up. They want as many eyeballs on the sport as possible. They want as many exciting moments in the sport as possible. And so when we had this race in Monza, where we kind of had a shortened race after the red flag and the grid was unusual because it was set on the basis of basically who were pitted and who hadn't at various times. And uh, therefore we had Lance Stroll second on the grid, essentially first because Lewis had the penalty, Pierre Gasly, the eventual winner, third on the grid and so forth. That gave that kind of reinvigorated the idea that maybe this would be a good, good idea for, for, for qualifying races. So F1 is banging that drum. No doubt Mercedes will come out and... Uh, say it's not such a great idea it really divides opinion among fans I've seen very strong arguments for and against Um, I'm kind of for it because I I just like to see something a little bit different Um, I think this year was probably the time to do it especially with these doubled up races and uh, you know a fairly predictable season but um, yeah we'll we'll see what happens for next year but I, I think there's nothing wrong with F1 experimenting with ideas changing things slightly um, I don't think anything should be sacred in the way that maybe some of the purists in, in, in Formula 1 fit, feel it is. Because at the end of the day, while it's, you know, of course, it's an engineering programme, there's lots of money involved, it's entertainment. It's about entertaining the fans. And I think this would this would do that. Oh, I don't know. oh that's such a sticky one. I don't even know. I'm sat here thinking of it. And it almost sounds like... <laughs> It almost sounds like you're unlocking a, a certain mode in a video game to play for. And you just kind of like, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a joke for some. But I, I understand it does. It it sounds exciting for us as like the viewers and stuff. But um, I don't know. I really don't know in this one. Nate, how do you feel about it? I'm all for it. At least trying it, you know. And, and it's interesting. I think racing fans, especially F1 fans, get very precious about history. And one of the things, yeah. so when, when they introduced the Halo... One of the big things there, and it drove me mad, people would say, oh, the DNA of our sport is this, you know, open cockpit. And I was like, well, if you're looking at DNA, like, they used to race, like, without seatbelts back in the day. You know, you're not there like, oh, they shouldn't have seatbelts on now, you know. So the sport should change and evolve. And 
as Lawrence said, we've had this same format for a long time. I don't think I don't think it would work at every venue. I think it'd be a shame if like a Monaco qualifying session is one of the best parts of the season. And those guys that get higher up the grid are the guys that really push their car. So there you'd say, well, look, you want to have a traditional qualifying session there. But yeah, some some kind of race. And I think the later into the season you get as well, it would be interesting because there'd be, there'd be proper jeopardy on the line. You know, people fighting for championship positions, stuff like that. Um, and all these questions of would people retire their car and all that stuff early, you're never going to see it until you know they're actually out there doing it. The funny thing was, if they if they had it in Austria this year, obviously Verstappen had his engine issue. So had let's say that had happened, you know, like I think that put him towards the end of the championship. So you know you could argue, well, look, if someone has a, an issue at that first race, at the second race they're starting on pole for that for whatever race you're having. So I t I get that to a degree, but Formula One has so many clever people in it. I'm sure they can work out a way to make it successful. And ultimately, what was so good about Sunday was the complete unknown factor. And, yeah. you know, I think a reverse grid and again, you know, like Lawrence said, the reverse grid race sets the grid. You know, you're not that's not the, the championship. The championship points aren't given there. It just sets Sunday's grid and you mix it up a bit. And and we saw like the you know the Mercedes struggled to get back through the field as well. So I don't think it would be as easy as at some circuits as as people think it might just like all these cars coming back through. Um but yeah, so I'm 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 for them testing it, and it's a shame Mercedes blocked it. I understand why they did. Uh, it would be like turkeys vo voting for Christmas if they had said let's go for it. But it's a shame that the teams even have a say on it. I think if 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 Formula One, you know, if you're running a sport, you want to just say we're, we're doing this and we're not doing that, you know, and take like like it or leave it basically. So that's a it's a shame that Mercedes or any team has the power to kind of get in the way of something like that. Absolutely love that turkey's voting for Christmas. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Luckily, we don't really eat turkey in Jamaica, so at least they're safe there. Um, but Lawrence, with that point that Nate just said, I mean, it, it is, I don't know how, in what world will Mercedes really agree to this at the way things are going. And this is Mercedes we're talking about, so I'm pretty sure they will put up, and Toto Wolf will put up a serious fight for this to not go through, but how likely is it? Because just looking at some of the comments, you know, from Ross Braun, it looks like, you know, that they are trying to take this direction more than not. Well, I, I think they can get it uh, through for next year if they want. There's cut-off deadlines and stuff, depending on how many people have to vote and which way, and so... It was only for this year that they needed unanimous decisions. And I think there's, you know, that's kind of understandable. If you're going to commit all that money and resource to a Formula One season and then the organisers turn around and say, oh, no, actually, we're changing the rules and it's not going to benefit you. You can, you can understand why they have a kind of decision-making process in place that doesn't allow things to just be whipped out and turned around at the last minute without full approval from everyone. So, um, yeah, that, that's where they stand. Will it happen? Uh, I, I think F1 really want this to go ahead. I, I really think they do. And um, it would, I think next year would be good because at the moment we see these cars which really struggle to overtake. And we know that F1 is addressing that for 2022, but it's not going to be addressed next year. However, I think if you have these qualifying races, the teams will have to set up the cars differently. You can, yeah. you, you see teams when they get sent, or drivers when they get sent to the back of the grid with a penalty or whatever, they make changes to the car. Sometimes they'll actually make the car start from the pit lane rather than the grid, just so they can make changes to make that car more suited for, for overtaking other cars. And so I think one of the big problems we saw in Monza was those Mercedes, when they got back in the pack, they were so set up to lead from the front that they actually hindered themselves uh, with be it top end speed or cooling 
to run in the pack and to be able to overtake and make passes. So in a way, I think it would also encourage teams to move away from just trying to get the car as far up the grid in qualifying as possible and, you know, to hell with having a car that's raceable. And they would actually have to kind of rethink slightly how they set up the car, maybe even how they design the car. So I think there could be other positives to it as well in terms of creating a spectacle, aside from the fact that you're forcing the drivers to uh, run through on a Saturday. I think you'd also probably have, end up with more raceable cars on a Sunday. Um, it's interesting, some of the drivers at the back of the grid, like George Russell, um, I know he's Mercedes back, so you might say that's why, but he's actually quite against it as well because he doesn't like the idea of basically being a target at the front of the grid and spending the whole Saturday afternoon going backwards. He thought that would be... That wouldn't be much fun, even though it might actually end up with him being in a higher uh, place, you know, on, on, on the grid on, on Sunday as a result. But um, so there's all these arguments for and against. It's really hard to know how it would work. I'd love to see F1 simulate all these things. So they have like software which simulates everything. I'd love to see some of the um, output from those simulations. I think that could potentially be one of the strongest arguments for it is if they were to share that with everyone and say, look, we simulated what would happen at Monza and this is it. And Nate's right. I don't think this is right for every circuit. There's some circuits where you still want to see that flying lap. And qualifying is still great when the cars are, you know, running in their highest modes and all that kind of stuff. Not that they're allowed to do that anymore, actually. But when, when, they're, when they're running absolutely on the limit and the driver's absolutely on the limit, that is great to watch as well. So we have to preserve that at some places. But maybe Sochi is a perfect example of where, you know, no one really enjoys a qualifying lap of Sochi. I don't think even the drivers enjoy a qualifying lap of Sochi. So why not do a reverse grid there? But um, too late for this year, but maybe next year. I was just about to, to say Sochi. And one of the things that when you have as many races as we have is that after a while, I think you lose some of the impact of them. And a place like Sochi isn't, is never going to be as prestigious as, let's say, Monza or Monaco. So a way to make that event a bit more special and to stand out a bit more is when you go there, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, they've got this reverse grid thing going on there. And it immediately makes it different to what you've seen before. You know, it spices it up a bit. You go in, and again, we spoke on Sunday about you don't know, not knowing things going into a race weekend or into a race. If you don't know who's going to win or take pole, and you genuinely have no idea what the weekend's going to look like, I think you want to tune in. And you wouldn't care so much if the circuit isn't so great because you think, well, the format might save it. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I think if they can find a handful of races to do it at, I think that'll be the, that'll be the way. Yeah, I kind of like that idea now. You've sold me, guys. All right, I'm bought into it. If it's like a handful of races here and there where at least you can look forward to, you know, a certain circuit, certain weekends where you're like, all right, things could go off here. Then, yeah, sign me up for that because that's exactly what we got to see at Monza and it made it all the sweeter. And now everyone's going to be wondering if we can see that again come this weekend in Magella. I know, of course, there's a lot riding on how this should be a, a weekend for Ferrari, at least on paper. I mean, the, the setting is there, the occasion is there, but will the car be there? That is another question, and I think we already know the answer to that one, but let's get right into it. Um, Lawrence, I know, of course, you, you love yourself some Italian circuits. So does Nate, but Nate told us a very heartfelt story of his his past visits as a kid to Monza. So let's start with Mugello then. What exactly can we expect from this circuit? I've not been to Mugello. Um, I don't think many people in Formula 1 have. They've done some testing there every now and again. But what to expect from the circuit? Well, there's a very long pit straight um, and there's a lot of high-speed corners. And I'm trying to think an example of another circuit that's like it. Maybe Suzuka would be similar. You know, we're talking about that level of high-speed circuit, relatively narrow 
track as well. So all of this kind of comes together in a, for a recipe that probably isn't that great for overtaking, isn't that great for wheel-to-wheel racing. But um, no one really knows. And, you know, we, we could be proved wrong. I think the other nice element is that the teams aren't going there with masses of data. OK, some teams have tested there before. Ferrari own this track, so they should have uh, some level of data there. But in terms of racing, in terms of using these specific tyres, uh, and we know how much strategy is about tyres, um, no one's done it at Mugello yet. So I think there's going to be a lot of learning as they go through the weekend. And uh, I think that should make for something fairly interesting. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a shock result. Uh, I don't think it's going to save Ferrari either. But I think there's always an element of excitement going to a new track uh, just because everyone is starting from zero and trying to figure out what's going on as quickly as possible. Inevitably, that tends to play to the top teams because uh, they have the best uh, simulation tools and driver simulators and stuff, which they'll actually run after Friday practice to make sure they've got the best setup for Saturday. But still, um, it, it should be good. But on the face of it, probably another Mercedes track, probably another track that's not going to suit Ferrari, uh, a track that maybe will suit Red Bull. So hopefully we'll see Red Bull back in the running. Um, but I think... The big excitement around this weekend is just going to a new high-speed circuit uh, and a kind of old-school style of circuit, which you know we don't often kind of get to go to in Formula One. And just yeah, and and um, just talking about mixing the weekend format up. When you go to a new place like this, it's almost a shame they have those two Friday practice sessions. I know they kind of need them, but I was thinking how cool it would be if they turned up and you maybe have an hour and then you qualify. And then, you, you know, you can have another practice session after that if you want to. But that unknown factor, you, it, it gets less and less and less the more time they get on track. So I, th- I think they'll still be catching people out, but there's so much data they collect on those Fridays. It almost, you know, it kind of, when you go into Saturday and you've got a whole Friday to, to kind of pick over, usually, like Lawrence said, you end up seeing it benefits the top teams a bit better. Um, this should be fun. I mean, the, it looks like a postcard. Every picture you've ever seen of Magello looks like a postcard you'd send home from a holiday in Tuscany. And um, Tuscany is just a ridiculously like beautiful part of of, uh, of Italy as well. This is the first one that I've properly thought like I wish I was out there covering because obviously you know um, we're, we're still not travelling internationally. Um, and it just looks amazing, you know. It's, it's a lovely part of Italy, um, and yeah, I mean the the big chat is whether Ferrari. So there's talk in the Italian media that Ferrari might bring a, an old livery for this race. They might have a kind of a 1950s style um, paint job now. For anyone with even uh, a short memory will remember that Mercedes did this at Germany last year and it went kind of comically bad for them. You know, they had that horrible race in Germany. So hopefully Ferrari isn't tempting fate because we all know Ferrari doesn't need that kind of bad luck anyway on top of it. But um, but yeah, but, you know, if that is the case, if that if, if that does come off, then that that should look pretty interesting. And um, and hopefully I think the, the the Ferrari mystique around everything hopefully makes it a very special event, even if there's not so many fans there. I was going to say, I feel like that is definitely just tempting fate. You know, you get all the the bells and whistles out for this momentous occasion and then you probably end up with two um, DNFs again. But hopefully that definitely does not happen for them either. But I suppose let's just start with Ferrari in terms of looking at it, even though Lawrence did just say that, you know, this looks like it could be another Mercedes track and why wouldn't it be? Um, But for Ferrari, is there... (laughs) I have to ask this. Is there anything... (laughs) <laughs> that can be done to change their fortunes this weekend, given the place 
and the momentum and the occasion well the lack of momentum the momentous occasion rather for them um that can they could at least save face you know should we a prayer maybe is that what's gonna help i don't know i think it's gonna take some kind of divine intervention isn't it to to see a ferrari at the front but if it's gonna happen anywhere why not you know in, in pretty much their own backyard uh, I was going to say, let's get the Pope involved. Like, you know, he's, oh, he's not too far. He's not too far away. Good shot. Wouldn't in. it be something if he came with like holy water? Because to be fair, I think the entire Ferrari team needs an exorcism at this point. So it might yeah. as well. well the <laughs> it Pope, might as well. <laughs> the Pope blessed the Formula E car. So why couldn't he do it to a Ferrari car? There you go. Anyway, Maybe. sorry, Laz. You, Laz was making a very intelligent point, and I just ruined <laughs> no, it. No. <laughs> I, I, well, I was he trying did to think say... of something and you come up with something. You know, I'm, I, I'll run with that. And uh, good news story as well, wouldn't it? The, uh, the Pope blessing, blessing the Ferrari on their thousandth phrase. Um, but you never know. Things, strange things happen in Formula 1, don't they? That's what we saw in Monza. Uh, sometimes things just uh, take you by surprise. And yeah, I, I guess, you know, we should celebrate to some extent that Ferrari have been in F1 for a thousand Formula 1 championship races. And actually their history goes way back beyond that so uh that that is impressive but as nate always says you know you can't rely on the history they they need to sort themselves out right now and um i can't really argue with that that's true right so i guess doom and gloom still for ferrari expecting mercedes to definitely come back on the point of mercedes coming back though we will expect i'm sure one mercedes driver to come back with a serious vengeance and we know that is lewis hamilton but again i have to ask Valtteri Bottas, what do you guys want to see from him at least this weekend and what could possibly work in his favour because he has definitely been the talking point. Just anything. <laughs> Should we call the Pope in for him as well? Yeah, yeah, actually. He probably needs it more than Ferrari. I think. But, <laughs> oh, um, no. That's the headline right there. Valtteri Bottas yeah. needs the Pope more than Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all you had to do is listen back to our, the, like the way we were talking about Bottas on the last show and yeah. it's gone you know with everyone's just like it, it's almost there's no belief or hope there at all um, and I think we all know he's not going to win the championship this year so what you want to see from him is anything like take the fight to Lewis you know it, 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 if you have to collide with Lewis at the first corner because you're fighting for position do it you know you're not. it's not going to change anything I know it might you know I don't know what to do inside the team but like that's the sort of attitude Bottas has to have he's so far behind now but you know he needs to People need to believe in him again. And uh, yeah, I, I, at the moment, I, I just don't. So if he can show anything different to the last few races, then that's a plus. Yeah, I think here um, he needs to get pole position. And he was close in Monza, you know. And it was interesting, wasn't it? Because his race disappeared at the start of Monza and um, uh, from that second-place grid position. And then we saw Lance Stroll have an awful start from that second-place grid position as well, which makes you wonder, you know, maybe there wasn't much grip down there. Maybe there was something going on I don't know I'm trying to make excuses for him um, but it, it, I tell you what um, he's, got, he's got an Italian race engineer called Riccardo Moscone and um, uh, while that might not help him necessarily at Mugello Moscone went to school right by Imola so when we go to Imola I really want Valtteri to win so, uh, so that uh, Moscone can be on the, uh, on, on the podium there in Imola right by where he went to school that would be cool Oh, whoever said that Lawrence isn't a romantic one? <laughs> I don't think anyone's actually ever said that. Yeah, I was going to say, you're the first person that's ever said that. Uh, my oh. girlfriend, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Well, well, she would know best. That's, that's definitely for sure. And then, I mean, um, speaking about the 
best of the rest, I suppose. We do, someone else who we are expecting to come back with a vengeance as well is, is Max Verstappen, given what happened um, at Monza. Uh, so that's probably not good news either for Valtteri Bottas, because mentally speaking, he would be sandwiched right between two people who, you know, have the mental space of true champions right there. Where else that leaves Alex Albon? I suppose we'll talk about that another day too. But for Max, what are you expecting from him this weekend? Yeah, I think you'd expect him to be back up there. I mean, you know, Monza, they took that step back and it's very, still a very engine-dependent circuit. So the suggestion was that that engine mode ban actually hurt Red Bull a bit more. Um, yeah, you, it, it would be surprising if Red Bull was so far off the pace again this weekend with the characteristics of this circuit, as Lawrence mentioned earlier, that would then you'd be like, okay, something weird has happened. So I'm expecting it to be very much like, like it was before we had 25 crazy laps in Monza and forgot for a, a little bit how, how predictable the season's been. Yeah, I, I think Red Bull should be quicker there. I, I honestly do think that the lack of performance in um, in Monza was, was just down to the circuit not really suiting them. Uh, somebody pointed out over the weekend that that's actually traditionally a circuit where they would take an engine penalty on purpose so they'd kind of bolt another engine in to make sure they go over their quota because they knew that they were just never going to be that competitive over a single lap and that they, they might be able to move back through the field and uh, and take the hit a track that's um, that's not that damaging for them but yeah these the high speed corners in uh, in Mugello should should play to their strengths so um, I suspect Max will get get the most out of the car there um, the other question which we keep bringing up is, is what happens with Alex and then what that, that means for uh, Pierre next year as well. But um, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting though because as I, as I kind of like said to Gasly before I asked him the Red Bull question, Alex is going to have all of that all weekend, you know, and I just want, you know, he always says, oh, he just ignores it. But after a while, it's got to, it's got to have an effect on you. So... I wonder whether this is where we kind of see, like, this is where you'd expect to see someone like, right, I have to go and prove now. You know, I'm kind of running out of time. Because as much as Red Bull want to say they're not thinking about it, Gasly winning a race makes it very difficult for them to ignore that question, as Lawrence wrote on the site yesterday. So, yeah, Albon's actually one I'm really curious to see how he responds to this. And being at a new circuit that no one has driven at, you would think maybe that... Help, might help him a bit because everyone's kind of in the same boat aren't they no one you know he's not going there and he can't say i haven't raced here with red bull before because everyone will say well i haven't raced with anyone here before so mm. maybe that kind of might help him out but it might also you know it might create all sorts of other problems yeah and um it's interesting going back and writing a bit about the uh gasly albon swap last year came across some quotes from christian horner at the end of last year and he said that one of the main reasons that they felt they had to swap the drivers and take Gasly out of that situation was that the media pressure on him wasn't helping and he was getting worse and worse and worse. Now, whether you believe that or not, you know, is another thing. But to be fair to Christian, as soon as Gasly had that pressure taken off him, we've seen him perform again and kind of get back up to the level where we know he can be. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, and I think that's part of why they're defending Albon so much at the moment is that they don't want the same situation where a driver just ends up in the second car with his confidence completely shot, even though he's a massively talented individual. So, um, yeah, Red Bull is just trying to help him. But I think fundamentally Alex's problem comes down to, and we talked about this before, but it's just the instability of that Red Bull and just not having the confidence in it. And Max can just live with that. Max just kind of relies on his natural talent to enter a corner and not worry about the consequences on the exit. And it seems like Alex just doesn't have the confidence to do that right now. And 
with race after race after race and the pressure building and building and building, he just doesn't have the time to kind of settle that down and maybe get his head completely around the car. And yeah, I'm not sure a high-speed circuit, brand new high-speed circuit is a place where it's going to help him. But yeah, you never know. Like Nate said, it's zero for everyone, you know, starting from pretty much zero experience. So maybe he will um, take advantage of that. Well, I'm tempted to ask, you know, you guys what you think of the rest, I suppose, the midfield, because we know how good Racing Point can be as well. Um, we will still probably be expecting great things from Pierre, you know, at least within what he can achieve in the car. Um, Carlos Sainz had a brilliant weekend as well, and I thought Lando did quite well. So a lot of eyes will be, I'm sure, on McLaren on this one, even though it's, you know, uncharted waters for them. But I feel like all of this may clash with our next segment, and it's one of my favorites. It's Nate's bald, bald, bald predictions. And we'll find out, ex and I'm looking forward to this bald predictions because after what happened last weekend in Monza, I feel like this has revitalized Nate to, to put his neck out on the line a bit more. Lawrence bullied him a little bit. Love it when Lawrence gets, you know, his sledging out and said, you should have just gone higher for Pierre. Put some respect on his name. So, Nate, after all the madness that we've seen this past weekend, give us your bald predictions. Yeah, I think this, this, is, this one's going to surprise you, but I'm going to say Charles Leclerc on the podium this weekend. Ooh. Which is, I mean, that is bold to say that because there's no, there's no evidence that that is a good Where prediction. exactly? I think I'm going to say, <laughs> this is I'll say well. third and he'll go and win the bloody race. <laughs> or something. Um, I was, yeah. Podium. He's on the podium. One of the, one of the three steps to the podium. I'm going to say third. You know, like we saw, like so, a race like we saw at Silverstone, like we saw in Austria, some drama ahead. You know, maybe Ferrari isn't isn't quite behind, as behind in this one as they were um, over the last two races. And you know, in those situations, we always saw Leclerc would do pretty well and put the car in a good position. So yeah, I'm going to say that. And yeah, it's it's um, me buying into some Ferrari nostalgia. But it would be a nice way to mark that race you know we it, it's 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 not nice people listening might think we enjoy it but it's not always nice just to keep kicking ferrari when they're down so um yeah i'm gonna say that i'm sure lawrence is now gonna say that i should have said a ferrari one two or something but uh, i think that that's pretty good well maybe if i say it it will come true yeah so, well, yeah, yeah a ferrari this, clearly, one, this clearly this but... clearly is the key is that i i under predict something and then lawrence tells me it should have been higher um but uh, no, in, in truth, uh, I think that's that's a good prediction. I mean, it's a bold prediction because we know Ferrari aren't, aren't that competitive. Uh, I'm going to throw mine in now. I know I haven't been asked, but I'm going to throw one in anyway. Uh, Alex Albon to win his first Formula oh. 1 Grand Prix. The weekend after Pierre Gasly wins it, Albon comes back, track that suits Red Bull. Maybe something happens to Max. Maybe he just outperforms Max. And he goes and wins it. There you go, that's bold. That, that is bold, and that would be mega, because then we, we're talking about Red Bull having a headache already. That, you'd be that like, would... well, what, what the hell do we do now? Because Yeah, I, I'd love to see it as well, because as, you know, as much as we've kind of criticised Alex in recent podcasts, said that he needs to do better, he's a lovely guy as well. In this, mm. Very much like Pierre, actually. Uh, they're both kind of you know, very nice, uh, likeable people, and you want to see them do well. And we know that both of them are massively talented, uh, but it's just having the right situation to show it. So uh, we nearly saw Alex win the Austrian Grand Prix at the start of the year. Uh, don't forget that. Uh, had he been able to pass Lewis Hamilton cleanly, then uh, he probably would have won that race. So it's not, not beyond the realms of possibility. Wow, that one left me kind of speechless. I, wow, Lawrence is bold. He's bold because he's like, my name's not attached to this segment, so I have nothing to lose, everything to gain. And maybe he's gassed up after your, your Gasly prediction, you know, was pretty spot on, I suppose. 
Spot on. All right. I, I love me some of that, Nate. You look like you're pondering stuff. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just. Thinking oh, I about... thought you were trying to go bolder as well. Now it's like, <laughs> no, do you know no, what, Lawrence? No. I'm gonna one up you now. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna get carried away. If if <laughs> let's, if Leclerc does win this weekend after I've said that, I'm just gonna start making the most outrageous predictions that I can <laughs> because clearly there's some there's something there about that. Um, you, but I will remind be, people can... listening. That I, I got a lot of these wrong before I got one vaguely right. So I think that that's worth pointing out as well. I was going to say, who needs a blessing from the Pope? You just need it from Nate Saunders. And away yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Just need, just need it from Nate. We'll put Nate in some all whites and, and see how it... Well, you'll probably look like you're just going out to play test cricket, to be fair. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see exactly. Well, those are two bald predictions and bold predictions, rather. See, I can't even say bold anymore. I just think bald... And I think Nate, who's not 100% bald anyway, it's part of his style. He does it by choice, right, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a life it's a life decision, guys. Okay. It's your Jason Statham look. I love it. Yeah. Everyone no, loves some Jason Statham. <laughs> well, I suppose on that note then, um, since I was kind of hoping one of you would have a bold prediction for McLaren after what we saw at the weekend, but none of you clearly have gone there. So let me just ask you then why, or what are you expecting from Sunday Signs, who definitely had a brilliant performance, even though he felt like he should have, could have, would have won. And then Lando, another decent day for him. I think Monza was probably their strongest track. Uh, if you look at the way that car's been performing this year, um, I think Michelle can be okay. You know, I think they'll be up there comfortably in the top 10. But I don't think it's going to uh, get much better than that for McLaren this year. Um, because if it did, they'd win a race. And I, I, to be honest, I can't see that happening. But, um, but yeah, so I, I would say actually McLaren more likely to take a step back slightly. Uh, I think you'll see Racing Point come a little bit back more into where we expected them to be, where we saw them at the start of the year. And also Renault might, might work for Renault as well. Uh, we saw they were quite good in high-speed corners at Spa. And then there is still that long straight. And we know that Renault is incredibly fast on the straights as well but the good news is um is that that part of the f1 field the midfield is hugely competitive so as we've said again and again and again and then it finally happened in monza take mercedes and red bull out the equation and you're going to have great racing right to r- right to the flag and that's what we saw um but you'll see it again probably in Mugello. it's just that it won't be for the win most likely maybe oh oh that mini prediction <laughs> I don't know, I, I, like, uh, after Monza you just don't want to rule anything out do you? I know. just like well, it could happen again after Monza and the fact that it's 2020 we can't rule literally anything out Nate how are you feeling about McLaren echoing the same sentiments as Lawrence yeah I am I think I think Gasly and Monza have kind of spoiled us a little bit over the last few days because we're all just like whoa it could happen again um I, I think I think that Lawrence hit the nail on the head I think that those guys will all bunch up together which is always great to watch because it's it's genuinely very difficult to predict kind of positions five through to like 12 over these race weekends. And there's always really fine margins in it. So yeah, you'll, th- you'll think McLaren are back there, but it was just on signs. We said it on Sunday um, about Sunday signs that it was really nice to actually see him get that result again. And um, it was a weekend where he was better than Lando the whole time. And we saw that a few times last year. So I'm actually keeping a close eye on that and just seeing how that dynamic shifts. Cause we were at the start of the year, we we're like, Oh look, Lando, you know, Lando's the the guy at McLaren now and, and that, that fight is becoming quite interesting. So um I think out of all the team battles in the midfield that's quite a that's quite an interesting one to keep an eye on. 
All right. Well, I think that's pretty much us for this podcast then. I mean, this is getting me all excited for the weekend, hoping that lightning can strike in the same place or the same country twice, at least, um, since we do know it's two different circuits. But thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thanks so much to Pierre Gasly for joining us and and joining Nate, rather, too, for pulling out the, the big contacts right there. It was absolutely brilliant to hear from the Italian Grand Prix champion himself, and we definitely hope we get to chat with him um, further on in this season. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Make sure to tune into our ESPN Formula One podcast right after it's all said and done in Magella, and we're hoping for yet another eventful weekend. Bye for now.